What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Ohioverse. Yes, we are back. Greg and I back behind the mic for like the first time in, I want to say, like almost three months. How you been, Greg? Good, good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Um, I know my schedule has changed a little bit, so we were fighting to uh, <laughs> get together to record this, but um, I'm super excited to be back with you um, on this episode, on this uh, show in general, just kind of talking about Ohio sports as we kind of heat up into, you know, obviously college football is starting. Uh, the NFL is starting. We're getting into the playoffs for um, baseball and soccer here. So there's lots to talk about. <laughs> um, but we're going to go ahead and start off with the college athletics here. We're going to go ahead and start off with Ohio State, um, pretty much our big program within Central Ohio here. And I kind of just wanted to get your um, expectations for the upcoming season. I mean, expectations are always higher for Ohio State. I mean, if, unless you live under a rock, you, you know that we we expect the most. So you know, it's it's funny because yeah, you know, like a eleven and two record with a Rose Bowl victory is a good year in pretty much any you know program across the United States. But for our you know particular uh, Buckeyes, it, it doesn't seem to be that case. You know, they want their three goals are to beat the team up north. That's number one. Uh, to uh, win the Big Ten championship and then win a national championship. And so uh, that's pretty much the expectations every year. You know, we yeah. we don't want a loss. And, and, you know, and especially, you know, we've had a few of the kind of unranked losses in the last couple of years. So it's, it's been a little little challenging, but uh, I think that the right day is up to the, the task. And I think the expectations are, are pretty good this year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this season. Yeah, I mean, it's always – it's always kind of championship or bust. I feel like with this team, so you got to make the playoffs. That's the expectation at least at the very least, make the playoffs and make a push for the national championship. You know, I think for me, I definitely think that they should compete for a national championship this year, if not win it, obviously with CJ coming back, Jackson Smith, Nick J. Buck and Trey Henderson on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, those guys are going to light it up. They have three starters on the offensive line coming back, so that's definitely going to help. And then they have a bunch of other guys who have played at least um, 12, I think 12 or 14 games. They've been in and out of 12 or 14 games over the last couple of seasons. So that that offense should be back to where it was. You know, I, I think the big question now is, is whether or not the defense is going to be a lot better. And, you know, obviously under a new coordinator, somebody who has consistently had a top five defense in the league when he was at, I believe, Oklahoma State. So I think that hopefully he brings that to Ohio State with a lot of that talent that they have and he elevates that. And I definitely expect a national championship out of them. Um, but to get to, I guess, the game of the week, I think the game of the week this week is Ohio State versus number five Notre Dame. There's so many cool storylines that come with that. You know, you have the head coach who used to go to Ohio State. You have James Laurinaitis, who's on his coaching staff now. you got threes out there. So um, there's just a ton of storylines. And obviously, I think this is the seventh time that Notre Dame and Ohio State has ever played each other in in the history of their programs. So definitely something that is a not a game that is normally played every single year. So it's a big matchup, especially to open the season with it. But um, I kind of just wanted to get your opinion on the, the game there, Greg, and, and how you're going to break it down. I mean, it's definitely a must-win for Ohio State. I think that the whole season is going to be basically based on this. If they lose this, then I think there's going to be a lot of challenges moving on throughout the rest of the year. Thankfully, the the Fighting Irish are 17-point underdogs in this particular um, matchup. So you know, it's we're either going to see Ohio is Ohio State overrated, or is Notre Dame being underrated? And uh, you know, I 
we're going to find out this Saturday. You've got definitely some impact players for uh, Notre Dame. You got Tyler Buckner. Um, he was 18 for 33, 264 yards. Uh, Chris Tyree, um, Logan Dix, running backs, uh, Michael Mayer, tight end. Um, and then we've got players for Ohio State as well. You got, obviously, we've got uh, Stroud Henderson, um, Marvin Harrison Jr. So it's going to be a, a great game. I'm really looking forward to being what um, – we can put up number wise. I think it's going to be pretty big though. Yeah. I think the key to beating Notre Dame is pretty much the formula they need to follow all season. And, and first, like I said before, they need to continue being dominant on offense. So I think that they were top 10 in pretty much almost every category last year um, that mattered when it came to that offense and they need to continue that. So I think having CJ Stroud back is going to definitely help having Henderson back is going to help and having those offensive linemen back is going to help. But the thing that's really going to help them, you know, win these games and win these games against these good quality teams is their defense. And they have to be able to play physical defense. We haven't seen them play physical defense, you know, over the past like three, four, maybe even five seasons. And they have trouble getting to the quarterback. They have trouble stopping the run, which means that they leave their cornerbacks on islands with wide receivers. And when you get into those games against the Notre Dames, against Michigan, against you know, even Penn State or you go up to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, when you get to the playoffs, like they have good wide receivers. They have guys that make it to the league every single year, pretty much at the wide receiver position. So you can't you can't leave your cornerbacks on an island. It doesn't matter how good they are. It doesn't matter how much, you know, DB talent we've had come out of Ohio State. You can't do that. So they have to play physical ball. And I think if they play physical ball on that front seven there they're going to be able to win a lot more games and they're going to look a lot better doing it. Cause last year it seemed like they let a lot of teams hang around that shouldn't have hung around, but they were able to put up a ton of points. They just couldn't hold people to not scoring a ton of points. And it just made them look a lot worse than I think when they were. And, and I think that's a big reason why they lost to Michigan. And that's a big reason why um, they lost to Oregon, I believe um, to start the season or, in the second game of the season. Second so, game, yeah, second game. Yeah, they, they started with Minnesota last year, sorry. Yeah. But, I mean, even in that game, they kind of looked a little rough, like they could lose that one. So, like I said, I think the defense is going – we're going to see whether or not that defense is improved and what they're going to look like. And like you said, if they lose this game, it's a pretty good chance that they won't make the playoffs unless Notre Dame goes undefeated and then Ohio State goes undefeated and looks really good and then both of them get in. So, but that's definitely something to um, – look forward to coming in the season, but let's go ahead and move on to our other pretty much, I think making their name in division one football at this point. Um, they do join one of the power five. They do join the big 12 next July. Yeah. So they have one season left um, in where they're at. And then they'll go ahead and join a power five conference. Well, I guess power five in relative terms now with the, with the (laughs) shift of college football, but they will be, you know, moving into a conference. There'll be better expectations, stuff like that. But with Cincinnati and in the run that they had last year, you know, them being ranked 23rd to start this season, you know, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's a little bit disrespectful to them or do you think it's on point? Maybe a little bit of both, if that makes any sense. I think that, you know, they surprised a lot of people last year. So the the rankings that they got towards the end of the year were a little bit of a, you know, Oh, okay. I can't believe this is happening. Uh, but in, in the same respect, they haven't really shown over the course of, you know, the, the previous few years that, that they are, you know, going to be, you know, a team that's going to be ranked, uh, you know, top 10, top five, you know, any time to come. 
Um, but they're sh showing that they can be ready to move to the Big 12, you know, with their recruiting classes. But, you know, it's one of the better ones in the country. Um, they've got four-star linebacker Trevor Carter. He's that big in-state win that they needed. Uh, interior offensive line, Evan, I'm going to say his name wrong, Ten Jessica Dahl. Uh, he was another strong home state pickup. Um, so, you know, they've got some definitely some great recruiting classes coming in. Um, and that's that's the key to starting their momentum to move up in the rankings when it comes to, uh, you know, future year down the road ranking, you know, pickups. Yeah, and I really hope that – I know that we talked about this probably a few times last season too, but I really hope that Luke Fickle stays with Cincinnati and builds – builds a program, builds his own dynasty there. I know that a lot of people would be like, oh, well, he's good enough to go, you know, to a, a bigger program that's going to be able to recruit, you know, five-star guys instead of four-star guys. But I think that he can get to this this Cincinnati program to regularly recruiting five-star and four-star guys all the time. And he can get them to a point where they're consistently competing, you know, for a top 15 spot, if not, you know, competing for a playoff spot year in and year out. And, you know, I think – I do agree with you. I do think it's a mixture of both between the disrespectful and on point for the, you know, the 23rd, obviously they're not in a, you know, in quotation marks in a power five conference. So their schedule is always going to seem a little bit weaker than what it is. So they have to fill that non-conference schedule um, with better teams. Obviously they start the season with Arkansas and then I think they play Notre Dame again this season. So if they can put those two wins together, I think that'll shoot them up the rankings. But I just think they should have been a little bit higher, especially with eight returning starters on offense and six returning starters on defense. That's that's a lot. That's a lot of guys that are coming back from that team last year. Obviously, you're not going to be able to replace Sauce Gardner. You're not going to be able to place, you know, those guys on the offense that help them out. But the majority of their offensive starters are that offensive line that's coming back. And that's that's huge. That's huge for whoever's going to play quarterback next. And that that helps out that offense move forward. So, you know, yeah, I just that that player to be determined that we still don't know who's going to be starting QB. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it's he, either this. He said that when, when they come out Saturday, you'll know who it is. Cause that's, you know, yeah. That's like, okay. And I think, I think he kind of took that from, uh, from trust. Cause trust Trussell would do that a lot at Ohio state too. When, when he was there, I know, I know urban was a little bit more open when it came closer to the season starting, but Trussell would just be like, Hey, you'll know who my guys are when they're out there. So have fun. <laughs> so I think that, you know, fickle gets that from him, especially playing under uh, Trussell and, and helping, you know, coach under Trussell for all those years. So I think that's something that he took from that. And I, I kind of like it, you know, leave it, leave it up to mystery because it only helps them in the long run playing against Arkansas. You know what I mean? giving that little bit of surprise and and speaking about that game against Arkansas you know number 19 Arkansas we got number 23 Cincinnati playing against number 19 Arkansas there um what's your breakdown on this game and it is a home game for Arkansas so I mean that that t tends to lend a little bit more in their favor and they are I think six and a half point favorites um so this will be the first SEC win under Luke Fickle if they um if they do actually win. So, you know, we'll see. I think Cincinnati is four and one in the regular season against the spread when facing a power five opponent under fickle. So that's in their favor. Um, obviously we talked about, we don't know who the quarterback for the Bearcats is. So that can leave a little bit of a, you know, a mystery there. Um, it'll be an interesting game. I, I'm, I'm saying that the Bearcats come out pretty strong and, and surprise a lot of people. And I think they go away with a win on this one. Yeah, I really, I really hope they do. Cause I, 
I like the idea of having like two dominant programs within our state. I don't think there's many states that can say that. You know, I know that California has USC and UCLA, but UCLA hasn't really been dominant. Neither has USC. I, I think USC will become dominant now with what they've done in the offseason and, you know, getting Lincoln Riley and stuff like that. But I don't think there's very many states that you can look at and be like, wow, they have two dominant like D1 college programs when it comes to football. So that's something that's super cool. And I hope that they continue to build, you know, for for me, for them winning this game against Arkansas, it really comes down to slowing down their dual threat quarterback. So they have to they have to play, you know, physical defense, just like Ohio State does. I think shutting down the run getting to the quarterback, that's going to be something that they're going to have to do. They didn't do well against Alabama, so they have to get better at that if they want to compete at a higher level, especially when it comes to getting to the playoffs. And then I think, like you said, it's kind of up in the air who plays quarterback and what happens with that offense. So I think it helps that their whole offensive line is coming back. That is huge. But outside of that, we have no idea who's going to play quarterback and what we're going to get from that. And this will be a true test to what, what this Cincinnati team is going to look like for the remainder of the season and what we can expect from them going forward. You know, I hope that they, I hope that they, you know, win all their games this year. I hope that they win their conference and I hope that they, you know, carry that momentum into the big 12 next year. And, uh, and then maybe we can see them back in the playoffs soon. Be really fun to see an Ohio state Cincinnati playoff game. I think that'd be the battle of Ohio. That'd be, that'd be really fun. <laughs> um, but real quick, like, I think for me, like I could kind of said my expectations for them is obviously I want them to win their conference and just take that momentum into next year. I don't really expect them to compete for a playoff spot again this year, but you know, what is your expectations for them? For this year? Yeah. For this year. I mean, I, I expected it to be pretty high. I don't think that they're necessarily going to run the table. I haven't looked hardcore at their schedule either so i might be talking out my uh, rear end on this one um, but i think that, that with the momentum that they have from last year going into this year um they did lose what is it nine a record nine players in the nfl this year um so that or last year so that that can have an effect on it but i think they're playing their hearts out and i think that you know obviously we had uh you know reigning coach of the year uh with with Luke Fickle, so he's a uh, he's pretty spectacular, and I think that he can galvanize his team to go pretty deep into the season. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's go ahead and stick in the sport of football, but we're gonna go ahead and uh, move. Maybe I would say a 20, 30 minute drive in the same city. We're gonna go over and talk about the Bengals, and. You know, I know that we've seen the preseason, we've seen kind of what they've done over the offseason, and I kind of just wanted to get what, you know, your expectations for were for them this season, um, and then we'll kind of do the same for the Browns next. I, I mean, I think that they're they're going to be good. They're going to be better than expected, I think, especially with Jamar Chase. Um, I, I think that his, you know, second year, he's seen the system a little bit more, and he's just – the kids at powerhouse beast. So I, I think that they're poised to win maybe 10 games this year. Um, they, you know, after their bye in week 10, I think they play six playoff teams the last part of the season. So, you know, along with Baltimore and Cleveland. So um, they've got a pretty tough, tougher schedule than they did last year. Um, and if you recall from last year, I said that they, uh, 
played like hot garbage pretty much the entire season and <laughs> got some lucky, lucky, lucky wins over the course of last season. Um, obviously, they were dominant towards the, the playoffs and they made that run to the Super Bowl. I really don't know. I mean, it, yeah. this, could, this could be the start of a dynasty. This could be just, you know, Joey B just being another mediocre quarterback. So that's probably more I'm looking forward to than, than even my own Patriots or anything else is just seeing what kind of a, a QB this kid's going to be. Because like I said before, I think he's the next coming of Tom Brady. Uh, the way the way he plays is just so fun to watch. So, you know, are they going to make it back to the Super Bowl? I don't think so. Um, you know, but you've got some, some key powerhouse people, Joe Mixon, you know, like I said, Jamar Chase, um, Burrow is just fantastic. So we'll see. I will agree with you that I think the like the first three fourths of the season they did get some like lucky wins, but they were more like a young team winning sloppy games. You know what I mean? Like a young team that was playing with house money, trying to figure it out, and they just won some like sloppy gritty games. And then towards the end of the season, you were like okay, these guys kind of figured it out. And then when they made it to the Super Bowl, and I will say this, like I, I think I said this on two-minute drill the other night, was like they were literally one block away from winning the Super Bowl. So if Aaron Donald doesn't get through, Jamar Chase's, he he burnt their, he burnt uh, Jalen Ramsey. He burnt him, and he was open for a touchdown. Burnt. With them beefing up that offensive line, I think that's the most important thing. And like I said, they were one block away from winning the Super Bowl. So my expectation for them this year is to win the AFC North, and to make a deep push in the playoffs and potentially make it back to the Super Bowl. And hopefully, you know, um, Joey B can can get one under his belt. Because I do agree with you. I do think that if they play this smart, and I do think if Joe Burrow looks at what Tom Brady did for his career, especially when it came to taking a little bit of a pay cut. Less that, money gets better teams. Yes, and all better team, better players. If he looks at all these guys making $50 million around him, He's going to start to see, like, look at somebody like Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Mahomes got it done. He got a Super Bowl, but he's done winning Super Bowls for a while because the stats are there. When your quarterback makes a certain amount of your cap, they don't win any more Super Bowls, and that just is what it is. So if he can look at what Tom Brady did, and I do agree with you, he has that mindset, he has that bravado, the same thing that Tom Brady did. And I know he'll be a different player. It's not going to be the same thing, but if if he can even put together – you know, three or four Super Bowl wins. That's still a phenomenal career that he could put together. So um, my expectation for them going forward is, is that they're a, they're a playoff team and they're pushing for a Super Bowl. So I, I know that I said it in two minute drill where I don't think any of the teams in the AFC North are going to win more than 10 or 11 games. Cause I just think everybody in the division is so gritty and it actually has a chance to be pretty good. Um, you know, obviously when we, you know, we can move on to the Browns now talking about them and their expectations. You know, I'll, I'll kind of go first for me. I've said it before. It all depends on how Jacoby Brissett plays for those first 11 games. And if he's able to not turn the ball over and just push the ball down the field and they're able to run the ball down people's throats, then I think that they could have a respectable record when Deshaun Watson comes back and then maybe they could make a playoff push. But I don't know if I believe in them. I think my expectation for them this season is to stay around 500 by the end of it, play some good ball, develop some of your young players, and uh, 
get ready to compete next season and, you know, get Deshaun Watson back to playing football so that, you know, he doesn't suck ass next season. So that's kind of my expectation for them. What's your expectation for the Browns? I could give two shits how well they do. I (laughs) have lost all any faith I did have in the Cleveland Browns. I am completely lost. I don't care about them anymore. I'm on the Baker train. I, uh, I, I, you know, I thought it was just horrible the way that they let Mm -hmm. him go to to get Deshaun Watson, who for lack of a better term, believe what you think is a despicable human being. And I, I, I wish nothing but horrible seasons. And I mean, getting Sean Watson is the most Cleveland thing you could have done because he yeah. fits right in with, with the, just how crappy they're going to be. I, I just, I can't, I can't stand it. And I think Jacoby Brissett, you know, the good guy, but I don't think he's going to get it done. And, and I, I'm just, uh, they should have stayed with Baker and spent that money that they gave to, that despicably human being. This is also why I've not been on too many drill because I probably would have talked like this a lot. And anyways, um no, I, I completely agree with you. You know, I they, think I think they, I was just they, trying to be a little bit unbiased with with my opinion, you know, because I've definitely shared how I feel about, you know, him as a person and, and how I feel about their move. You know, I think a lot of people justify it by saying, you know, he's he was a top five quarterback at one time. Yeah, that's cool, but what did it cost? You know what I mean? I think that's like, that's the biggest thing is like you, I don't think people really look at the person that the Browns brought in and and what they did to bring him in by giving him that kind of deal and giving him that kind of contract and setting that kind of precedent that ultimately you could, you know, whether or not you believe that he did it, you could do something like that or be accused of something like that. And they'll set the record books with the money they give you just because of how good you, you played on the field at one point. So, you know, I, I'm kind of in the boat with you where I kind of hope it crumbles down. And, um, and I made a prediction a long time ago that he would never play a snap for the Browns. (laughs) I don't know if that'll be true, but, um, but I, I kind of hope it does come true. I hope that he never plays a snap for the Browns and I hope that Baker Mayfield comes out in week one and just, just waxes them. I think it'd be super fun. Yeah, I mean, I do too. I'm I'm super rooting for them when that comes up. You know, and I and I think along about this, and 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 you know, stop me if I'm wrong, but you know, I understand that the football and the team and whatever is about it's a it's a business and it's about making money for your respective individuals that own the team and or and or you know part ownerships and stuff like that. But but really, when it comes down to it, it's for the fans. And I feel like the Cleveland Browns made the decision to pick money and or possible, you know, accolades of winning games over over their fans. They 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 disenfranchised a lot of people by making this particular you know decision to to sign him. And I just I I, I think it just shows the, the the ownership's true colors. And and I I, I don't like it. And and. You know, when they were with Baker, it was seemed like it was more of an underdog type of situation. You really rooted for them to do best and and what they do, and and it's now it's funny because now in a, in a completely you know different season, now I'm rooting in the opposite direction for them. I'm rooting for them to fail because of of 
what they decided and and that that's a big change from rooting for somebody you know do well you know underdog to like really wow i hope you lose every game it's just it's a stark change from from what it was yeah it really felt like and <laughs> it's funny because like i feel like we're just kind of shit talking the browns and this is like ohio verse you know the show where we talk about ohio sports but like you know coming from two guys who aren't you know cleveland browns fans um i've I've always wanted them to be more successful than what they were. You know, I've seen, I've seen the pain that it caused their fan base, you know, up front. And I just, I think that it was always so, I, I just, I know that I would never want to feel like that as a fan of a sports team. You know what I mean? I know that I felt like that with the Cavs and, you know, with the blue jackets over the years and, and the crew over the years and stuff like that. But there was just, it was, it was just even more of a deeper sadness when it came to just the constant losing. And, and I honestly think like, I think there was some mindset when you talk about them being underdogs, they were tired of being underdogs and they kind of sold their soul to try to put themselves in a situation to stop being the underdogs and to be the, be the team to beat. And I, I just don't know how that's going to work out for them in the future. And, you know, I really feel bad for the players that are on that roster, you know, guys like miles Garrett or Denzel Ward um, guys that, you know, are top of their positions and they have immense talent. And those are guys that, you know, deserve to be competing for a Super Bowl every single year. And, you know, this will be another year where they don't, and then, you know, going forward, like you said, people are going to kind of root against them because of what they did, you know, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see if winning cures all in this situation and and maybe it will for the, the fan base of Cleveland, but nobody's going to forget about what happened here and, and nobody's really going to be able to move on. And I think that the franchise kind of has to live with that, but. You know, let, let us know at home, guys, what you think your expectations are for the Browns and the Bengals this season. You know, comment down below. I've always said it, you know, let us know what you think about the whole Deshaun Watson thing. I know we've talked about it a lot on this podcast. You could probably put it all together and there's maybe four hours. or five. Yeah, like four or five total hours of just content of us talking about Deshaun Watson, maybe even more. But it is a huge topic and, and I think it is super important, Um, you know, to to address and, and get different opinions on and stuff like that so if you guys would like to hear different opinions on it from different people let us know and and we can definitely put that together but we're how gonna many, go ahead and how much love or how much hate for kevin love do you think we've talked about you know hour wise not not even close i don't even think a fraction of it i think like we maybe spent like one episode where we were like he's worth a dollar and then and then he got, and then he got good last season. So okay. I don't, I don't I just, I, that's the only other person I really feel like we we've talked massive crap about. And so I just wanted to yeah. make sure. But, see, see but you know that, what? That not was. even, not even on the same level. Like I, there's a whole, like he, Deshaun Watson's on kind of a whole nother level of dirt bag. Like that's, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe that. So I don't know. Love is just bad player dirt bag. Whereas Deshaun Watson's just <laughs> like, sex offender dirt bag okay, yeah that's that's bad yeah i don't know man it's it's insane and yeah it sucks and you know it, it sucks too because we're never going to be able to sit here maybe one day we will but but in over the next year maybe even two we're not going to be able to sit here 
you know, and talk about the Browns throughout the season or the preseason or the offseason and not talk about this Deshaun Watson shit. And it really kind of upsets me, you know what I mean, to a point where it's like this this is not this is not what sports are supposed to be about. This is not what we're supposed to be talking about. Like, like I said, this is a show about Ohio sports. Like we should be like, you know, we can be critical of Ohio teams, but we shouldn't be like rooting for our own, you know, states teams to, to fail in such a way. And like, I do think that like a lot of people feel that way and it, it's really sad. It really sucks. Um, and I, I do hope that eventually we can kind of move past this, but it just, it's a really unfortunate thing. So, and it's unfortunate for the, the people that have been affected most by it that, you know, we're just fans of football, so it doesn't even matter to us, but it's unfortunate for the people that have been affected most by it. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think they're ever going to be able to, you know, really fully move on from that. So. But let's go ahead and move on to a different topic. Let's go ahead and talk about some baseball. And let's uh, – Greg's going to go ahead and break down the Guardians. I mean, what the heck, man? We kind of – I feel like we talked about the beginning of the season before we went on our little hiatus, and we were like, hey – I guess best case scenario is they, you know, finish 500 and they build and, you know, they go into next season and they put some pieces together and maybe, you know, they're good again, but they're literally first in the division. They're making a playoff push. And I, I don't really know how this has happened or or what they've done to, you know, galvanize the team to do this. But, you know, I guess in your opinion, you know, how have they really made this playoff push? Do you think that they could continue it? And then if they make the playoffs, how deep do you think they'll go? I mean, first off, we have a lot of season left, so there's a lot of games to play. And they're only, what, they're 68 and 60, so they're really only eight games above 500. So that's not, you know, necessarily something to be. I guess that's fair. You know, completely, <laughs> completely like, you know, they're they're living up to our expectations. We just didn't realize that the rest of the division was not going to live up to any expectations. I guess that's fair. You know, um, so, you know, this is thanks in part to the Twins. What is it? I think it was a five and nine skid that they had. So, I mean. I think that the guardians are like, oops, we're in first. How did that happen? <laughs> I mean, they've been definitely like lingering in Minnesota's rear view for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, they went on a five game winning streak and, and uh, it's, you know, like they've got like, they still don't even have a 50% chance of winning their division. Um, so th- I think that they're, they're 44% chance of winning the division I think they have a 26.9% chance of making it at the division series, a 9.7% chance to make it at the championship series, a 3.4% chance to uh, make it to the world series, and then less than 1% to actually win the whole thing. So, ouch. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, I think it's great for Cleveland. Uh, I think Cleveland playoff baseball is some of the funnest to watch. Uh, it seems mm-hmm. like, um, there's a lot of it. We've seen a lot of it, you know, in, in recent years. So um, I think that's that's a fun thing, fun time to be around Cleveland in the fall and, and watching baseball still. So I'm for it. I, I we'll see what they do. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I might have hyped it up just a little bit too much, but I definitely think it's it for me. It was a little bit out of expectation because I really honestly didn't even think they were going to make 500. I think I thought they would be sitting right where the Reds are sitting right now. And, you know, they've just, 
them sitting in this position, I think is is pretty interesting. And and I don't I don't think they'll hold on to it. I think this is a team down the stretch that they're a young team. I think some things might start to go wrong, but I mean, we could be wrong. This is definitely like this is like stupid stuff that like storylines that happen in Cleveland, and this is how they they win you know, championships and stuff. I mean, you go back to that, like three, you know, when the Cavs were down three, one and they came back and just it, these are just things that happen, you know, to Cleveland. So (laughs) I don't know, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to win a championship, but I think that this is definitely an interesting push that they have here towards, you know, as, as they get closer to the end of the season. And I just, I don't know, it'll be interesting to kind of keep track of, of what they do over, I guess we probably have what, like a little bit, under half of the games left. So um, it'll definitely be interesting to kind of see what, what they can put together. Yeah. I mean, they, they're, they're um, scheduled the rest of the year is pretty solid. And like I said, they still have a, a decent chance at, at winning the central. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, they're de- I think they're definitely, you know, playoff bound if they keep on going. And uh, that's good for Francona because I've always been a big fan of him ever since he's been in Boston, and um, he's he's definitely been a great uh, you know, person for for Cleveland. So, so I think he is he out for the rest of the season medically. I think that might be true. So I, I'd have to see the interim yeah. coaches. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is like a team like when we kind of talked about the Cavs last year around around the halfway point in the season for the Cavs, like they were kind of playing with house money. And they were doing a lot better than than what expected. And, the, you know, then some injuries kind of creeped in and, and there was some adversity. So we'll have to see if they can start dealing with some adversity that comes towards the end of the season as a lot of these teams really kind of lock in uh, for a playoff spot. But, you know, talking about the Cavs, let's go ahead and move on. And, you know, this topic wasn't even in the episode <laughs> until about like maybe three hours ago, four hours ago. Uh, when I got a call from Dom and he goes, yo, did you, did you see the news? And I went, uh, no, I was just watching welcome to Wrexham, um, on, which is Hulu. fantastic by the yes. way. Yes. Fantastic I love it. I have, show. <laughs> I have FIFA. I already started a franchise with Wrexham. So we're trying to build them up, make them good for, you know, Deadpool. I love it. But no, he called me up. He's like, yo, um, we just got Donovan Mitchell. And I was like, no, he didn't. And he's like, yeah, we just got Donovan Mitchell. And I was like, that's, that's pretty insane. So the package that the Cavs sent for Donovan Mitchell is Lori Markinen. I'm going to butcher this name so hard. Um, Oche Abaji, I believe is his name. Uh, You got it right. Colin Sexton, they sent three unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 2027, and 2029, and then they got pick swaps in 2026 and 2028. So, you know, obviously I'm pretty hyped about this. I think this is a huge get. This is a guy that can, you know, give you 28 a night, if not more. Um, You know, he's a little bit of a defensive liability, but you don't need him to play great defense because you have great guys who play defense around him. You just need him to go get a bucket. And that's one thing that I think um, we were missing last year. So, you know, I think you know how I feel about it, but how do you feel about this trade, Greg? I mean, I think it was a great, like, you know, kind of to me, I look at it more of a two for one deal with uh, marketing and Sexton, the points that they combine to give you or what, he can what Donovan Mitchell can give you. So that really puts another player on the floor that can obtain 
that many more points. So, so you're looking at, you know, probably, you know, 15 to 20 points extra per game, you know, and, and put that over the series and you're, you're looking at the difference between some wins and some losses. So I think it is a major massive upgrade for Cleveland and uh, I'm, I'm excited for this a lot. This is going to be something to watch. Yeah. I mean, speaking on, you know, expectations for this year, I, I think now with this trade before I was like, this has to be a playoff team, but with this trade, I think this is a team that has to at least make it into the second round of the playoffs. And, you know, as a Cavs fan, I would hope that they, they push farther, but I think that I think the expectation is they, they need to at least make it to the second round. That's my expectations for them this year um, as like an unbiased fan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as a, you used to have Garland, you used to have yeah. Jared Allen, you used to have Evan Mobley. I mean, this is just like a, a premier, like all-star team type of situation. It this yeah. is gonna be phenomenal. And you 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 tandem his ability to score with one of the best defensive teams in the league last year. And I think that's that's just that's phenomenal. You know, I, I was I was thinking too, like I would love them to go get you know, maybe another another piece, another guy who can go get a bucket, whether he comes off the bench or whether he starts at the three spot. I think that's something that they might need going forward. But I think at this point, you know, they're 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 fine. They're definitely going to change the way they play because they played big last year. I mean, they went, they pretty much went um, Garland. And, you know, whoever played the two for a little bit. And then when they got Karis Levert, they brought him in. But they had Markinen at the three, Mobley at the four, and Allen at the five. Like, they played, they played pretty big all season. And they even played Kevin Love at the three and the four at times. You know, so I, I just – it'll be interesting to kind of see how they transition from that that big that big man ball down, now down back towards more of like a traditional kind of, uh, you know, game. But – What's what's your expectations for them this year? Um, definitely playoff bound. I mean, with, yeah. with this this addition, that's not even a question. And and I was watching ESPN a little bit or one of the other channels, and you know, it, it's like I'm not saying that he's he's you know the next coming of LeBron, but I think he's going to bring that um, that swagger that LeBron brought to Cleveland. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to start going out to games and, you know, it's paying a little bit more attention than they used to. And which got ends up galvanizing the team and galvanizing the city. And, you know, and uh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you could honestly say that they have a big four and I don't think a lot of teams can say that, you know, I know that, that Allen and Mobley aren't going to score 25 points a night, but those are guys that can, you know, score 15 points and get you 10 plus rebounds a night. Like that's super valuable. And then when you look at Garland and, you know, Donovan Mitchell, that backcourt is going to be fun to watch. So they, they really have a big four there. And then, you know, with Kevin Love and Chetty and Karis LeVert coming off the bench, that's going to be, that's going to be a deep team. It's going to be fun to watch. So, but we're going to go ahead and finish it off. I just kind of wanted to give a quick update on the crew. If you guys aren't watching um, the crew right now, they have about seven games remaining in the season. They're six in the standings right now. They just uh, beat Inter Miami last night. Um, I was kind of watching that game a little bit before I had to go to bed at eight because <laughs> I got to get up at two and one or two in the morning now. But um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty solid game. I think for me, 
going forward, if they want to make a deep push into the playoffs, if they want to continue to be in the playoff hunt, um, they need to get better defensively. They've really been bad defensively this year. And they've really just tried to rely mostly on, uh, on Cucho. And, you know, I understand they paid him a lot of money and he's the guy that's been, you know, pushing that offense forward and that offense has been really productive. But, you know, when you talk about their record being nine, 12 and six, so they only have six losses, but they only have nine wins and they have 12 draws. So when you talk about point wise, that doesn't help out. So they need to really win the majority of these last seven games to put them in a position to really make the playoffs. And then they need to figure out how to um, play better defense. And I think that'll really help out uh, them going forward into the playoffs. And and maybe they can bring back another MLS cup uh, to Columbus. But I think going forward, like I said, defense, I think that's a common theme with Ohio sports, the crew need to play good defense. Ohio state needs to play better defense. You know, the Cincinnati Bearcats need to play better defense. And yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so, you know, if you just, just gotta, we, we gotta, we gotta continue that, that gritty, gritty defensive, you know, name. I think Ohio is known for its gritty defense and we just got to continue that. And the crew's got to get back to, you know, back to playing that kind of, kind of soccer. So, but that's pretty much all I had uh, for this episode. I know we talked about a bunch of stuff, but like I said, we've been gone for like three months. So, <laughs> and as long as I can keep Greg on the episode as possible, cause I miss doing this with him, uh, I will. So, <laughs> but for we'll sure. go ahead. <laughs> we'll go ahead and end it with our uh, double take segment. Um, you can pretty much talk about anything that you want. You got two things. Uh, we'll start with Greg. He'll give his first thing. I'll go, and then we'll go back to Greg, and I'll finish it off with my second thing. So have you ever seen that movie, My Girl, with uh, the Macaulay Culkin? Um, yes, but not in a while. <laughs> All right. Do you remember how it ended? No. 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 Kid got stung with like a whole bunch of bee stings. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Super that was sad. so sad. Super, yeah. Yeah. Super sad movie. Well, I mean, we all know how, you know, how he died, that that was super sad. And, and he with all those bee stings. Um, so there is a, a tree trimmer in here in Ohio is expected to survive after suffering 20,000 bee stings. 20,000? 20,000. He's now awake after a coma. He suffered, they said, at least 20,000 bee stings. He ingested 30 bees, too. So 30 bees went into his stomach and everything like that. So um, it's just crazy how that you can get stung that many times. And he's still saying that he's going to recover. Uh, he's at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, and they expect him to make a full recovery. I was just, it was, you know, I know some people are allergic to bees and one sting can kill them, but to be stung 20,000 yeah. times and still survive is, mm-hmm. is just amazing. So, uh, you know, he, I think he did suffer some kidney failure um, and, you know, got some, like I said, some bees out of his airwaves, um, but he will make a full recovery. I'm not going to share. His, I think his name is Austin Bellamy. Uh, he was 20. So, uh, he unknowingly cut those bees uh, when he was trimming some trees, and but he's gonna make it. So that's uh, crazy, man! Uh, wow, good, good on you, Austin, and uh, I hope you get a speedy recovery. Yeah, that's insane. That's a lot of bee stings. Yeah, that's honestly that's a credit to you know the the medical community at this point of what 
what they've been able to do and, and accomplish and, and saving people's lives. So, cause you talk about maybe like 15, 20 years ago, I don't think that that, that guy might not have survived. So yeah, that's pretty insane. Alrighty. Well, that pretty much does it for this episode. Um, I don't really have much more. If there's something that we didn't talk about guys, let us know. Like I said, I'm always open to um, exploring new topics, especially when it comes to, you know, the, the world of Ohio verse, there is so much that goes on here when it, when you talk about uh, sports wise, I mean, we have two professional football teams, two professional baseball teams. We have a professional basketball team, you know, two professional MLS teams. We have a professional hockey team. So we have a bunch here. I think that, um, and you, when you talk about Ohio state and Cincinnati football, now Ohio state basketball, um, Dayton basketball, so on and so on. There's so much, you know, to look forward to every single week throughout the year when it comes to sports. So let us know what you want us to talk about. But other than that, I'm Nick. I had Greg on with me today and uh, we're looking forward to getting back into our normal cycle, doing this every other week. So um, as always though, we are Ohio verse presented by deep dive sports and uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Hey everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ohio verse. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show and sporting news in Ohio, Go ahead and follow Ohioverse Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you. And catch you on the next one.